Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Toddcast, The Teacher Podcast, an informative podcast that explores a variety of teaching and educational experiences while still offering insights into improving and upskilling teachers. Join your host, Todd Broadbent, as he explores the wide and varied lives of educators from every sector, exploring fundamental concepts that are pivotal to good teaching, while also discussing the lighter side of the educational sector. Welcome to the Toddcast, the teacher podcast. For the 38th episode of the Toddcast, the teacher podcast, I had the wonderful opportunity of interviewing Kaya Allen. Kai is a primary school teacher who now works with the Cyber Safety Project as their senior educator. Kai has a passion for engaging young people to develop the skills they need to independently navigate the online world safely. Kai is passionate about technology for learning and helping young people take control of their digital balance through wellbeing strategies. Throughout this episode, Kai will be sharing her educational journey, the reasons why she decided to become a teacher, the reason why she moved from teaching to the Cyber Safety Project, the Cyber Safety Project and what they have to offer, highlights in the most challenging part of her job at the Cyber Safety Project, key teaching tips around cyber safety in primary and secondary schools, tips for parents around digital safety and well-being, making your classroom more cyber safe, how to keep up to date with current technology trends and so much more. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Kaya. Welcome to the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast. How are you? Uh, I'm really good. Thank you, Todd. How are you going? Yeah, I'm excellent. Nearly school holiday, so can't complain at all. Yes, very true. I'm nearly at the end now and then catch a bit of a breath, have a breather. Uh, very well deserved. Absolutely. Well, it's awesome to have you on the podcast today. I've got to know you through the Cyber Safety Project over the last couple of years. So I thought it's about time I get you on to have a bit of a chat about your career so far and now what you're doing at the Cyber Safety Project as well. Oh, I really appreciate it, Todd. I mean, uh, I love getting to come out to the school and working with you yourself personally, but all the staff and students. So it's definitely a privilege to be here and I feel very grateful that you've asked me. So thanks for having me. No, I'm looking forward to it. So we'll get underway. Have you had a highlight of the day today? Oh, look, Todd, it's hard to pick them. I'll be honest. Uh, I get to work with students and teachers and school communities every day. So I feel like I'm very lucky to have lots of highlights. But I guess a personal highlight for me today would have to be um, having a phone call from my niece and nephew uh, on the way home from work today. They're two and five. So any opportunity I get to have a chat to them is pretty special. Yeah, awesome. Love that. And then going back to when you're a student, what were you like? Look, I can say this because there's no one to verify, um, confirm or deny anything I say. No, honestly, I would say all around, I was a bit of a, a good student in terms of wanting to make my teachers very proud, always tried my hardest, but I'm sure there are a couple of moments from time to time that my mum can attest to where I maybe was pushing the boundaries a little bit, but I'd say all in all, I was pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I think it's always pretty normal to push the boundaries a little bit here and there throughout your schooling. Definitely. You've got to do it. That's all part of the learning process for sure. Absolutely. And do you have a favourite moment from school? Okay. Yes, absolutely. It's going to sound a little bit left of field here, but it's something that has stuck with me for my entire childhood and adult life. And it would have to be when I got given the courtesy award in grade one for being a courteous friend. And the reason for that is the first thing I didn't actually know what courteous meant. And then the second thing once I found out, I'm pretty sure I use that as part of my identity for the rest of my life. And it's just stuck with me. And I'm so proud of it to this date, even now. 
I love something like that just sticks <laughs> just sticks with you forever, isn't it? It's great. Yeah, 100%. I think as well, being teachers ourselves, um, we know that celebrations and awards for young people and students we teach, it really can have a big impact. So for me, that being my experience and being able to give that to students I work with, it's pretty empowering stuff. And I, I love that I get to do that. Yeah, awesome point. And then can you tell me a bit more about yourself, your teaching journey and now what you're currently doing? Yeah, so I've, I've had a pretty cool ride in terms of my professional development. For me, I started in early childhood. So when I finished high school, I went into um, a diploma of early childhood education. That was a two-year full-time course. And then after I did that, I worked full-time in a kindergarten service for a while, um, which was fantastic. And then sort of being in there for about six to 12 months it really spurred on that love of working with young people. Uh, and then I decided to go on to do my teaching degree, which led me into classroom teaching for six years. Absolutely loved it. Obviously, there's many challenges, but there's also even more celebrations and great moments. And I worked with grade fives, grade ones, uh, everything between, but definitely was incredible. And then uh, beginning of last year, 2022, I was very lucky to join the boys at the Cyber Safety Project, Sam and Trent as their full-time educator and it's been a, an experience and a half and I'm, I'm loving every single second of it at the moment. Yeah, beautiful. I think, as you said, in your experience so far, you've had a great range of opportunities. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like being in education, we're really fortunate that there's so many ways we can work with young people in school communities and having sort of dabbled in the early childhood and now working with a cyber safety project where we do primary school sessions, but we also work in secondary schools and TAFE and universities. It's really developed my role um, as an educator, but also just opened up opportunities that I never saw were actually possible for me. So it's been really great. And I've still got tons to learn, which, you know, I get very excited about too. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you kind of talked about this as you were mentioning in the last question there, but what was the reason that you went, I just want to be a teacher? What was the reason that you decided to become a teacher? Well, when I think about this, and I've been asked this question before, I feel like there's a couple of reasons. In my family, I've got lots of teachers, aunties, grandparents, step family, step relatives that are teachers. And I think I've always been surrounded with that sort of compassionate, nurturing sort of people. So I think it sort of always was there for me as a bit of an idea. But I think the real moment for me where I decided I wanted to be that person for somebody else was again in grade one. That was a very pivotal year for me. And I had a grade one teacher by the name of Miss Malloy who absolutely catapulted me into education. She was just the most beautiful, nurturing, incredible teacher. And she really did call on all of our strengths. And for that, I just thought, you know what, I want to be that person for other people. Yeah, beautiful. And do you feel like throughout your career so far, you've modeled yourself on that teacher there? Yeah, I mean, I like to think so. Um, I hope, hopefully I have got some students who can attest to that, but I think everything I've done has been like a, in the back of my mind, what would Miss Malloy do? And I was really lucky to actually see her only a couple of years ago. And I ran into her at a school. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, Miss Malloy. And she recognized me and we got chatting and I said to her, she was like a little minor celebrity to me because she just was such a beautiful teacher. And I feel like every sort of, action I've taken in the classroom since has sort of been backed on um, what would Miss Malloy do um, and how would she make students feel in this particular situation so it's definitely inspired the way that I teach but obviously more so in a sense of how would this impact an individual and their well-being mm. and I think that's what I very much pride myself on in, in my role in education. 
Yeah, wonderful. And you kind of answered my next question with uh, Miss Malloy being someone who inspired you. Did you have anyone else who inspired you throughout your schooling or was it just Miss Malloy? Look, I was really lucky to have some pretty incredible teachers and for many different reasons. I think some were more an academic side of things where they would sort of pull out I guess, capabilities that you didn't even know you had. Um, And, you know, when I think about myself as a learner, I will openly say that I always found uh, maths a little bit difficult. So I had a teacher in grade five who really nurtured and tried to, I guess, um, inspire a love of maths in me in a way that connected to real world. So I'm grateful to her for that. But in terms of all-rounder, Miss Bloy, 100%, she was the golden gem in my schooling journey. Yeah, well, she sounds like a bit of a legend from what you've said there. So. No, that's wonderful. And as you said, it's great that you've been able to catch up with her and see her. I think that's a special moment. Yeah. And uh, even when I said to her, I was like, I feel like I'm reverting back to a seven-year-old version of myself here. But then she said, she goes, for her, that means she's done her job. And that's who I want to be to to other students as well. Yeah, wonderful. And then what has been your greatest challenge so far as a teacher? Uh, I would look probably say, uh, speaking of the elephant in the room, it would be just remote teaching. I was in the thick of that, like yourself and all of the other teachers across Victoria and Australia. I would say that was definitely the most challenging for quite a few reasons, but probably the most being that I found it really hard being away from my students. And I guess a a large part of my teaching philosophy is about nurturing a relationship and seeing academic results as a result of the relationships you form with students. And having that opportunity, I guess, to be close to them and work with them, you know, one-on-one or in small groups, I found that really hard and I felt very detached from my role, which was really, really challenging for me professionally, but personally as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think a lot of people would agree with you that that was an extremely challenging time, those particularly those two years where you just didn't feel like you were ever in your classroom and you just didn't have those key opportunities that you would normally have with your kids to build. You still would build positive relationships and all those different things, but just you didn't have those different opportunities that you have in the classroom along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was really fortunate that the class that I had and the way that we adapted to the environment, if there was anything that I learned in remote learning, it was the resilience of kids And I feel like in some strange way, once we finally came together in term four of that year, it actually made us closer because there was this level of appreciation of being together as one. So even though it was one of the biggest challenges in my teaching career, I would say that it was also one of the biggest blessings because there was this newfound appreciation of actually just being together in our classrooms. And that was really, really special. Definitely something you can't replicate, you know, when you think about how much do you appreciate just the everyday things that we had in life and what was taken away from us in that short period of time that we went through? Mm, No, great points. And then what would be a proudest moment so far as a teacher? I would say probably my proudest moment would be I uh, was lucky enough or fortunate enough to sort of have an article written about me and my role as a teacher during remote learning. It was really nice. One of my parents actually reached out to someone and said, We've got this wonderful teacher who's sort of doing a lot of things to support our children. And I think whilst having it spotlighted in that sense isn't the be all and end all, I think it just sort of highlighted to me that parents were seeing how much I cared about them and their their children. And I think for me, that means everything because we don't do our job, as you know, Todd, for the accolades um, and the pats on the back. 
But I think when somebody is going out of their way to to make that effort to show you how much they appreciate it, it means that what you're doing is obviously resonating. And I think knowing that my young students, my grade one students were thriving as much as they could be in a really difficult time, that really did make me feel quite proud of what I was doing in my role during remote learning. Yeah, that's super special. I love that one. As you said, the main reason we're there is for the kids and see their improvement and development and see them achieve their goals or whatever they want to achieve in their life. So I think, yeah, that's um, yeah, a really special moment. I love that one. Yeah. And look, if I'm thinking about it, I'm just getting another idea now. There's actually something else, Todd, if I can add. See, this is what we do it. as teachers. We just love to chat. But when I think about it, there's actually something I always did in my classroom is I would get students uh, at the end of term one just to look at a sample of their writing particularly grade one, the junior school year levels. And then we'd put a post-it note in it and I wouldn't tell them why we were doing it. I'd just say, have a look at it. What do you notice about it? What do you like? And then at term four, at the end of the year, we get out their favorite piece of writing from term four and we put a post-it note in it. And then I'd get them to do a comparison. I'd say, look at term one versus look at term four. And I can honestly say, seeing their faces light up and actually fully comprehend the progress that they had made for themselves in that 12-month time frame, it's the most magical feeling as a teacher. And again, I'd always say to my students, this is the work you're doing. This is the hard work and the effort and taking on the feedback. This is everything you're doing. And this is how you can see the progress that you've made. And I feel like from a teacher standpoint, witnessing that of your little people um, is pretty special. And I absolutely love that opportunity in the classroom. Yeah, again, excellent point there. We do that with the preps as well. And a lot of them go, oh, that's not my work. I didn't do that in term one. That's that's not my book. Um, <laughs> so it is, it is a cracker to see the difference in that year. And I think it is important for teachers to go back and reflect on where you've started to where you get to, because I think you forget along the way where the journey started and to where to the journey gets to at the end. Yeah, and it's pretty special, I think, for them to see and obviously reflect on themselves. And I think sometimes we forget to take stock from a professional standpoint and even for a young person standpoint, everything's so fast paced in the classroom. And we know like there are so many things we're doing, so many things we're learning. And it's really nice to have those moments and to hold that space to go, hey, look at how far we've come so far. And this is a result of us putting our head down and really focusing. And yeah, as you said, it's pretty special. And when the kids don't believe it's theirs, that's when you know that they've really uh, gone, oh, wow, I did that. Pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And then, so you were talking about this before, but what made you make the move from teaching to the cyber safety project? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a great question because I, I guess I never saw myself out of the classroom when, you know, I love it so much and I, I feel so grateful to be a teacher. But it was actually when the boys, Sam and Trent, came out to the school that I was teaching at and they run their student sessions. I was sitting back and I've actually dubbed myself the ultimate fangirl of the Cyber Safety Project. And I was watching the boys do their thing. I was watching the magic unfold. And as I was sitting there watching it, like an eager beaver, I was like, I could do this. I would love to do this. And so conversation you know followed that after the sessions and basically I'd said you know what if I was ever going to be out of the classroom it would be because I'm doing something like this where I get to go out to schools every single day primary and secondary connect with school communities still work with kids which is what I absolutely love but obviously combine that love with technology and it just sort of felt like it was a perfect combination of two of my greatest passions young people and technology and then one thing led to the other and here we are yeah yeah, no, excellent. And then can you tell me more about the Cyber Safety Project? What does it offer and what are some of the things you do at the Cyber Safety Project? 
Well, yeah, we're a teaching and learning organization where basically all of us are a team of teachers and educators. And we have a program where we offer schools, student, teacher, um, wider school community sessions on digital safety and digital well-being. So it's a fun sort of interactive program um, where we come in and we run the sessions with students, but then we also have really meaningful conversations with all stakeholders, as I've mentioned, with the parents and the staff community. And the idea of it is to empower young people just to self-manage their own online safety and well-being. And, you know, we know that the online world, it's here and it's here to stay. And in fact, it's only going to continue to grow. And so for us, we really believe that proactive education is the way to go. And so if we can give students the tools, the things that they need to ensure that they're keeping themselves safe and well, then we're doing our job. And that's sort of our mission here. It's a big mission, but it's a mission that we're very proud of. Um, and we love to keep sort of spreading the word with every school that we go to. No, excellent. Uh, as you know, we pump up for the Cyber Safety Project. We love having you guys. We've been lucky enough to have you, Kai, over the last couple of years come to SPESI and do heaps of stuff with our school. We've signed up to the education portal as well. And we've had the parent sessions and, and staff PDs. And we think you guys are wonderful and do an outstanding job. So anyone listening out there, make sure you check out the Cyber Safety Project. You guys do a wonderful job to support the kids, in, as you said, in such a area that is a big need at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And Todd, can I just say, being a part of the Specy Hill community is something that Sam, Trent, and myself, the team at the Cyber Safety Project, absolutely love. We sort of dubbed you as one of our really close connection schools because we know the work that you're all doing there. But also, being given a school beanie, I feel like that's an official welcome to community. And uh, it's a community that we're all very excited to be a part of. So we're very grateful that you continue to have us, Todd, and particularly uh, Specy Hill being so passionate about empowering and supporting young people online. Um, that's that's music to our ears. So thank you. Yeah, we know we're happy to have you part of the community. That's why uh, you got the beanie. So <laughs> no, it's great to have you on board. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> So do you think your teaching background has helped you at the Cyber Safety Project and teach the programs that you're doing? Yes, 100%. I don't think I realised how much the teaching background would benefit my role here at the Cyber Safety Project until I've actually started doing it. And just in, in a couple of different ways. Uh, obviously, you go out to schools every other day and school communities can differ so much in the way things are done. But I feel like having that teaching background, even in terms of um behavior management or you know ma maximizing your time and even the way that we structure the sessions around explicit teaching times versus breakouts versus student contributions I feel like all of those things marry up really nicely once you know what good teaching looks like and I think for me and, and my role here it's it's definitely helped me to feel more confident standing up in front of you know, lots of kids who are looking and hanging on to every single word you say. So definitely, definitely does help. And I think as well, you've only got a short amount of time with those grades. So as you're saying, you need to be productive with your time and get your message out there. So I think as you're saying, you guys have structured it so well in, in how you do your presentations and you've got that teaching background. So I think that really helps with your sessions and then also all the online stuff you do as well in the uh, education portal as well. Yeah, and I, I feel like that's a real benefit of what we do, Todd, because, you know, being teachers ourselves, we understand that, you know, sometimes teachers are time poor and we want to make the lessons as easy and efficient as possible for teachers to pick up and deliver, particularly if they're not confident when it comes to teaching cyber safety. And so for us, if we can structure lessons that are easy to follow, 
but also do fit into that element of time, then, you know, we're, we're doing our job and yeah, we absolutely love uh, teachers that are happy to have a crack at it and give it a go. And it, it just means to us that the message is getting further and wider and we, we couldn't ask for more than that. Yeah. Excellent. And then what would be your highlight of the job at the cyber safety project? Oh, there's a couple of highlights, Todd. Getting the opportunity to work with different students every single day. You know, one day it's working with preps and then the next day you're working in a VCE class. And I feel like for me, it's so dynamic and I really love that opportunity. But on a personal side of things, uh, I could chat the back legs off a donkey. And so for me, if I get the opportunity to stand up and be my quirky, silly self um, in a productive and educational way, well, then really, uh, I have landed myself in a in a pretty special spot here. So that would be my two highlights, definitely. And I guess, as you say, you've got multiple audiences. You just don't have the one class that you're used to. You've got multiple audiences, so you can get your, I guess you get your brand out there and your personality out there to everyone. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, when we think about the team that we've got, we're all quite dynamic and big personalities. And, and it's great because it means that, you know, we're all quite confident in getting up and, and delivering and presenting and engaging an audience. But we also get to put our own little flair on things. And, you know, how I present versus how Sam and Trent present, of course, there are similarities and the messages are the same. Obviously, that's that's the bottom line. The key messages are getting across. But there's that flexibility to sort of add our own flair onto things. And I feel like that's a real benefit in this position. Just like when you're in classroom teaching, we all have our own little teaching style. And I think that's pretty nice that we get that opportunity in this role too. Yeah, wonderful. And then what would be the most challenging part of working at the Cyber Safety Project? Well, I think you said it before, Todd, about, you know, getting to go to different audiences every day. I think on the flip side of that is uh, one of the challenges I found in this role is that part of me really misses having my little pack of humans that I get to work with every single day for 12 months. I really do value that time and that journey that you get to have with your class where, you know, you create those foundations of a good relationship and then you see the progress. And then by the end of it, when you say goodbye at the end of the year, I'm sure you get this feeling too. There's a part of your heart that breaks as you're like, oh, I've got to hand them over to the next teacher. And I, I feel like that's probably the biggest challenge that we don't get that opportunity because it is we come in and we have different um, student groups that we're working with every single day. Yeah, I think great point because it is totally different, isn't it? You've got only that short amount of time compared to that whole year, which is a massive, it is a massive amount of time, over 200 days of spending time with these kids. And maybe you might have taught them over a couple of years as well, depending how you move along throughout your career in, in what grade you're in. But you're 100% right. It's it's a long amount of time to be spending with these kids and the relationships and the understanding you have with them is is really special. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'd say that that's probably the biggest challenge. But look, you, you take that and then you just have to sort of flip it and go, you know what, I get to create those short lasting relationships, but it can be big lasting or long lasting when you come back the following year and they remember you. So there's that element of excitement too where they go, oh, she's back or so there, there's that other flip side of it too but yes I definitely say that's probably been the the biggest challenge or adjustment with working in this space yeah no totally agree and this kind of supports what we we're just talking about just then do you miss being in the classroom yeah absolutely um I'd be lying if I said that there there weren't parts of the classroom I miss particularly when again you're going into schools and you're observing what's happening in the classroom you go oh like I remember doing that and singing and dancing, I mean, the brain breaks I would have very over the top um, singing and dancing opportunities. In fact, there were times where 
my students like she's not singing again is she so I miss that I miss having those little sort of impromptu sing-alongs with the students in between sessions and brain breaks and whatnot but look you sort of take that as part of the role and go I get to sort of showcase that in in other ways now but yeah definitely there are parts of me that miss it for sure yeah beautiful so what would be some key teaching tips in the junior area so prep to two around cyber safety so I think when we're working and talking about uh, your junior school kids, it's a lot of conversation um, and ongoing conversation. I feel like it's a big ask to try get junior school students to grapple with everything that's happening online. So it's about talking about our feelings, tuning into our feelings and actually understanding how our feelings can help keep us safe online. And so when we're working with junior school students, as you know, Todd, we talk about, okay, what does what a good feeling feel like? So naming the feeling. Well, when I'm happy, it's a good feeling. Excited, it's a good feeling. Hey, we're having those online. It means that what I'm doing is probably safe. And on the flip side of that, if we have a heavy feeling like nervous, sad, worried, or scared, that could be our body telling us that what we're doing online is probably unsafe. So, hey, if we have one of those feelings online, we just need to stop. And I feel like when we're teaching and talking to young people about this, it's just reminding them to check in with their feelings, to name those feelings, and then try to identify what that feeling could be meaning, particularly when we are talking about playing games online or watching videos online. So conversations, really, really beneficial, but also role play. We know young, in fact, all of primary age students, I would argue, love the opportunity to get up and role play. And I feel like role play is a really safe way to model digital dilemmas, different scenarios online that sort of removes them from the situation themselves. They can almost pretend to be somebody else going through that scenario online. So we find that role plays a really great and effective way for students to sort of talk about some of the harder topics online, but again, not putting themselves personally in that situation. Yeah, great points. And then what would be some of your key teaching tips for the grade three to six area around cyber safety as well? Yeah, so this is about identifying, I guess, some of the ways that people might try to trick us online or make us feel unsafe. So naming the groups of people online that could make the online world unsafe. So thinking about we name them as tricky people, um, strangers, unkind people, which we do talk about with the junior school students, but leveling up that conversation a little bit more about, okay, well, who can see what I'm sharing online? Who could try to connect with me when I'm playing an online game in a public server? So identifying the potential risks and challenges and then actually putting things in place or protective measures to make sure that they're not going to be put in a vulnerable position. So we like to do this thing with the threes and fours around perspectives and who can see what we're posting online if we have a public account Um, and actually getting students to role play that out with us. Okay, we'll pretend to be a stranger. If you're seeing somebody's public profile, what are some things you could be giving away unintentionally that could um, be seen by the wrong person? So we feel like a lot of role-playing, a lot of conversations about why it's not always safe online, um, but then actually following up with proactive strategies for, okay, if this is a reality of the online world, what can we do to make sure that we're safe? And we do talk a lot about settings and how settings can be set for success in order to keep us all safe and well online. Yeah, wonderful. And then some teaching tips for like the secondary area around cyber safety. Yeah, so I think when we get into the secondary side of things, it's a lot about, again, revising the different spaces that we go online. So personal spaces, private spaces, public spaces, understanding who can operate in these spaces online. 
but then starting to level up the conversation around our digital footprint. So what breadcrumbs are we leaving behind that, hey, if this is getting in the hands of the a, a wrong person, like a malintent user, how could this be used to be putting me in a vulnerable position? So leveling up that conversation, digital footprints, but even starting to talk about who we want to be online and really unpacking that who we are offline needs to be reflective of the person we are online. And what are the potential consequences of that? Good or bad? Because we can do things online that when are seen by people, that can be a great thing. You know, we might be seen to be showing integrity, which is fantastic. But on the flip side of that, if we're doing things online that don't reflect um, good integrity, well, then the consequences of that is that that can be seen by a future boss or footy coach or a netball coach, and that can have negative consequences. So really unpacking, again, the risks and challenges um, of the online world for sevens and eights. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then what would be some of your tips for parents when looking and dealing with cyber safety and digital well-being at home? I think a lot of it comes down to just conversations. And I feel like a lot of what we talk about is about keeping the dialogue open, um, but also holding space to listen to what a young person is telling you about their experiences online. Because uh, unfortunately, we know that a lot of the time young people aren't talking um, and we want them to feel like it's okay and it's safe to be speaking. So for parents, again, it's 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 very difficult to have the answers for everything and to know everything. And so for us, we're not saying you need to know it all. But if you have got a young person who's playing a particular game, do your research about that particular game. Identify the content that they'll be able to see. Identify what's going to be collected on them data-wise and identify who could potentially connect with them in that space. And if they do their research on that particular game or app or social media platform, they're just leveling up their knowledge and understanding, which means if their child goes through something, they can understand how to best support them. But we do believe that a lot of it comes down to just opening up the dialogue and not speaking negatively about technology, speaking really positively about and say, hey, I want to know more about what you're doing online. Please, can you just tell me about it? Tell me more about it. But from a positive standpoint. And once we open up that dialogue, we know that young people start to feel safer in disclosing whatever's going wrong for them online, whether it's something small or if it is something bigger. And as you said, I think it is really important to have those positive conversations about it. And if you have that negative mindset, I think it just then starts to block the kids and they, they want to keep going towards it anyway. So I think that openness towards being really positive around social media or the games and all those kind of things is really important because technology is going to be around forever. So I think it is really important because it, it shows and there has been so many positives of having technology in our world. And I think it is super important, as you're saying, to have those positive conversations with your with your children around technology and all those things involved with technology as well. Yeah. And I think highlighting, as you said, Todd, highlighting the incredible opportunities that you can have on technology, you know, can innovate, create, collaborate. Uh, there are so many wonderful things about the online world. And if we can speak positively about it, about, you know, the, the wonderful opportunities young people are going to have, again, it just shows them that, hey, we're here for it. We're here to be open. We're here to learn. And whilst we don't know everything about the online world, as a parent, I want to know more about it so I can be here for you. And bottom line is, I know you're connecting in these spaces. So let's make sure we're on the same page here so that if something goes wrong, I'm the first person you can turn to and I've got your back always. And I think probably the bottom line with all of that is we need young people to know that there is nothing that they can do online that their parents won't forgive them for. And that way it just makes it a safe space for them. They know that they're not going to get into trouble 
maybe short-term trouble, but long-term parents just want their young people to be safe. So let's open up the dialogue. Let's speak positively about technology and let's have some family protocols and guidelines that all members of the family follow together. Yeah, excellent. And thank you so much for all those different tips for each of those year levels there. That was awesome. My pleasure. No worries. And then how do you keep up with all the different programs, games, social media, as they're always changing? So how do you guys and yourself and the Cyber Safety Project keep up to date with it all? Oh, well, for us, you know, and it's like anything, we very much like to keep our finger on the pulse. And so there's a lot of professional reading. Um, there's a lot of research on our behalf. We work very closely with the Office of the E-Safety Commissioner. So we're constantly getting updated from them about anything that's going on online, games that are trending with young people, um, and just making sure that we don't ever rest on our laurels. For us, we understand that the online world moves quickly. And so for us, we want to make sure that we're continuing to seek that professional learning to, to ensure that we're up to date and what we're putting out to the school communities and the communities that we work with is current um, and relevant. So a lot of further research, a lot of further um, investigation on our behalf, but also just continuing to check in with um, eSafety to make sure that what they're putting out is current to what we have as well. And with the eSafety, is that a good place for teachers and also parents to check out as well to keep up to date with stuff? 100%. When we talk about e-safety in the Office of the e-safety Commissioner, uh, we cannot talk more highly about the incredible work that they do. And being a trusted e-safety provider ourselves, we always like to uh, usher people in that direction because this is where we can go to make reports for issues happening online, uh, whether it's cyberbullying or illegal and harmful content. It's a great space for parents to go and visit, teachers to go and visit, just to learn more about what resources they have available and how to make a report should there be a young person who's experiencing some negativity online. So highly recommend getting eSafety up um, as a conversation to have with families or even in the classroom during lunch eating time or brain food eating time, definitely. Yeah, awesome. I'll put that in the show notes as well so people can click on that if they want to as well. Beautiful, that'd be great. And do you have any current things that teachers or parents could be looking out for in regards to like emojis or codes or chats or apps at all, Kaya? Um, look, I think when it comes to emojis and things like that, again, the terms that young people are using and the emojis that have different meanings, it changes very regularly. And so I guess I would say if you're a teacher or you're a parent of a young person, just do your best to keep your finger on the pulse and maybe jumping on Google and actually Googling emoji dictionary. It's probably the fastest way to keep up to date with what emojis can mean in the online world. And that way you're not promoting an emoji that might actually have a hidden meaning, which we know very much can be the case when we think about some of the emojis that young people are using to communicate and ask for perhaps inappropriate images of somebody else. Mm -hmm. No, excellent. Thank you. Um, I can also put that into the show notes as well. So people can check that out as well. Yeah. Brilliant. And then have you got maybe three to five tips to make your classroom more cyber safe? Tip number one, setting agreed terms and protocols with your class is a really important way just to, again, open the lines of communication and making sure that everyone's on the same page. So it might be something like in our class, we don't share our passwords. Uh, in our class, we don't edit somebody else's work by accessing their personal space. Or in our class, we do X, Y, and Z with our devices. Setting agreed norms and protocols just, again, sets the tone for a really positive cyber safe classroom. 
tip number two uh, would be talk regularly about the spaces that we're going online. So we know that technology is in the classrooms, which is fantastic. But if we're going to a website, talk to the students about, hey, what space is this online? How do you know? An example of that might be if you're going onto study ladder. If you've got a class account, ask the students, hey, what space are we in online? How do you know? And get them to start talking about it. What would be tip number three in the CyberSafe classroom? Oh, I've got one, a really easy one. Create long, strong and secure passwords that are changed regularly. And when we talk about passwords, we know that sometimes a lot of us, adults included, create weak passwords that are easy to remember. But what we need to know is that what's uh, easy for us to remember makes it a lot easier for a cyber criminal to access. So creating long, strong, secure passwords that are changed regularly is a really great digital habit for young people, obviously moving forward, because passwords are going to be around for a long time yet. Yeah, no, great points. I think one of the ones I got from the boys last year as well, we've, uh, when I had a chat on the podcast with them, uh, was about just a, the simple one of just asking the kids if I can take a photo. It, just asking them and saying, is it okay if I take a photo of your work or is it okay I take a photo of you with your certificate? And all, I've really made a focus on doing that ever since about asking them about, is it okay that I use your photo for this or put it onto the Seesaw page or whatever it might be? Um, asking them and talking about asking for permission as well. Yeah, I think that's a great way to model consent. Part of the staff professional learning we do, we talk about digital respect and consent and why it's so important as educators that we role model that sort of behaviour. And I think it's a really good point you make, Todd, about asking and actually telling the students what you're going to do with that image just shows them that I'm not doing this for my own personal gain. I'm actually doing this for whatever the reason might be, to display in the classroom, to post it on Seesaw. And if our students are seeing us role model that sort of behavior, it's going to become natural and second nature for them to start seeking consent of their friends um, if they choose to take a photo of them and want to post it online. So definitely seek consent. Yeah, awesome. And then so how can teachers or parents get in contact with you guys at the Cyber Safety Project and where can they find you? Okay, well, we've got our website. It's www.cybersafetyproject.com.au. Um, we also have an Instagram, Cyber Safety Project. We like to post regularly about things that are happening in the online world. And we like to keep our finger on the pulse, as I've said a few times already. So we're sharing updates. We're sharing tips and tricks. I've got my Instagram page, Kaya's Classroom, where I come from a teacher standpoint and I actually help educators know how they can embed good cyber safety teaching practices in their own classroom. So check out our website, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at the Cyber Safety Project, um, and you'll be able to see everything that we're posting and sharing to do with the online world and protecting young people as well. Love it. And I'll make sure I put all those as well in the uh, show notes as well. So people can go and click at those, find them straight away and yeah, find your page and everything as well. So uh, that'll be perfect. Awesome. Thanks, Todd. And then what would be one teaching resource you couldn't live without? Oh, one teaching resource I couldn't live without. Do coffee cups count? I think so. They, yeah, I think <laughs> we've got to say yes, because we can't live without coffee. Oh, look, okay, definitely coffee cup. I call it my go juice. I don't function properly if I don't have my go juice in the morning. But otherwise, my teaching resource I couldn't live without would have to be a chiseled tip whiteboard marker. Now, Todd, I'm curious, are you a ballpoint marker or chisel tip chisel tip all the way all the way i yeah, feel them. like 
we have created a little group here because anytime I've asked people about this who work in the classroom, they always say ballpoint. And I feel like I'm the minority when it comes to that. No, no, no good. And you'll actually find out a little bit later on, I will ask a question about this. Uh, so you've already, not ruined, but it's just added to it even better. Uh, no, big, big supporter of chisel tip. I wouldn't use a bullet. I wouldn't even touch a bullet tip whiteboard marker. I'm not, I'm not writing on a whiteboard unless I've got a chisel tip. Todd, I knew I liked you, but it's definitely been confirmed now. Chisel tip uh, markers for the win all the way. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Love it. That's probably my one that I would say. So I'm fully with you. Good. Uh, and before we finish, Kai, you're happy to play a little game. I would love to play a game. Yes. Awesome. Well, this is called uh, Todd's Stock Exchange. So you can either buy. So it means you get around it, whatever I'm going to ask you. Hold, yep. you're a bit unsure or sell it. You don't like it at all. Or Okay. Yeah, you're just not getting around it. I hope I don't offend you if I sell things. No, go for it. That's it's okay, your right. it's your it's okay. yours. So it's all good. <laughs> Sounds good. So the first one is the staff meeting. Buy, hold, sell. Oh, I feel like you're putting me in a position here. I'm selling it. Do I need to explain why? Or do yeah, I just go for it, it if you'd like to explain? Okay, look, I know that sounds terrible. How about I sell 50% of that stock and just say a staff meeting every second week so that the rest of it's just put into an email and kept nice and short and sweet. <laughs> like it. That's a neutral answer, but I feel like I danced around it. But yeah, I'm going to sell it primarily. No. Uh, pretty similar responses, so don't worry. Excellent. <laughs> uh, yard duty, buy, hold, sell? Hold. Hold, dependent on the day. Uh, if it's a warm, sunny day, happy to do yard duty. If it's drizzling and they haven't called her wet day timetable, absolutely sell. So we'll go with hold, pretty neutral. Like it. I know the answer for this one. Chisel tip whiteboard marker. Buy, hold, sell. Buy. Every day of the week, I am buying it. And I'm buying them in black and blue because they just look so crisp on a, a clean whiteboard. Perfect. Wonderful answer. Tin tuna in the staff room, buy, hold, sell. 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 Absolutely sell every minute of the day. Please eat it somewhere else or don't eat it at all. <laughs> I feel so brutal, but no, nah, it's definitely selling. Get yep. it out of the staff room. <laughs> nah, love it. Uh, next one is, you were kind of talking about this before, a wet day timetable, buy, hold, sell. Sell. Hmm. Sell. Only because if you've had, oh, again, if you haven't had, if you've had a recess wet day timetable and then it's a lunchtime wet day timetable, it's too much. But if this is your one and only wet day timetable of the day, we'll buy it. Otherwise, sell it. Definitely sell it. It's a long day when it's both. It's a long day and there's a lot of up. There's a lot of teachers being up and on for the whole time rather than having five minutes to just catch their breath and go to the toilet. <laughs> yep. Uh, and the last one is cyber safety, buy, hold, sell. Oh, buy it every day of the week. You know, I'm going to be saying that. Bye, bye, bye. And you'll get to talk to me and Trent and Sam and all the team at the Cyber Safety Project. You couldn't ask for any more than that, surely. Yeah, wonderful answer. Love that. So well done, Kai. I'm going to give you the win for that. I think you pretty much answered exactly how I would. So 100% a win there for you. Woohoo! That's great, Todd. We, we are good friends after all. So I'm not surprised we have the same answers there. <laughs> Love it. And that is actually the end of the podcast, Kaya. So I just want to say thank you so much for coming on to the Toddcast today. It was wonderful 
chatting to you a little bit more. I feel like I've got to know you pretty well over the last couple of years and getting to see everything you're doing at the Cyber Safety Project. And then also, it's been wonderful to talk about your teaching career and everything, as I said, you're now doing at the Cyber Safety Project. So yeah, thank you so much for the wonderful things you're doing for us as teachers and then also supporting parents as well um, in around everything cyber safety uh, and keep up the wonderful job you're doing. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on the Toddcast today. Oh, Todd, it has been my absolute pleasure. When you asked me if I was interested in being on it, I was absolutely chomping at the bit. I feel very, very excited. And I love the work that you're doing at Specy Hill, but you personally as a teacher as well. Um, it was a true privilege to come on. So thank you for having me. And I, I can't wait to get out uh, to Specy Hill again next year. Bring on 2024. <laughs> what uniform are you going to get next? Oh, I can't wait. What's it going to be? Is it going to be a scarf? Is it going to be a badge? Am I going to get a school t-shirt? We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> no, I love it. And thank you so much for the kind words, Kaya. But yeah, keep up the awesome job you're doing. I'm looking forward to seeing everything you guys keep doing at the Cyber Safety Project. We're uh, loving doing all the lessons and everything. So anyone out there, make sure you go and check it out and sign up and, and get uh, Kaya and the team on board. Oh, thanks, Todd. It was great to see you. Yeah, I'll see you later. All right, bye. And that is the end of the 38th episode of the Toddcast, the Teacher Podcast. It was wonderful having Kaya come on today and sharing her teaching career so far and now everything she's doing at the Cyber Safety Project. As I said, if you haven't already, make sure you go and check out the Cyber Safety Project. They do amazing things around digital well-being and safety and Kaya plays a huge role in that as well. Hopefully you got a lot out of today's episode and I cannot wait for you to join me in a couple of weeks' time. See you later.